Welcome to the Life of Christ series 4, term 3. This is lesson 22. We are looking at the witnesses concerning Jesus. We are in chapter 15 on page 15. Let me begin by just reading the first um, statement that I've got there. Now having made what only can be described as, as majestic claims in the previous verses, Jesus now goes on to give evidence to prove that what he said was true. In accordance with the law of Deuteronomy, that's 1915, uh, remember Jesus again came to fulfill all the law, which stated, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. So Jesus is going to stick to the rules that he made. <laughs> okay, And of course these witnesses need to be separate from the person that was under inspection or examination. And why Jesus begins it all by saying in John chapter 5 and now in verse 31, If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true or literally not valid. Okay. Now in short, as Leon Morris puts it, Jesus points to the impossibility of anyone being accepted on the basis of his own word. Witness to anyone must always be borne by someone else. Can we agree on that? Amen. Okay. And in the case of Jesus, because the religious leaders were in such opposition to him, William Hendrickson paraphrases Jesus as saying, and I really like this because this really helps sort of see what, what was actually being said here. If I testify concerning myself, my testimony is not true in your estimation. Are you getting that? Okay. In other words, you will then immediately raise the objection, you are testifying concerning yourself, hence your testimony is not true. This interpretation is certainly supported by the fact that this very thing happened a little later, as indicated in John chapter 8 verses 12 and 13. There Jesus recorded us as testifying concerning himself and saying, I am the light of the world. Immediately the Pharisees shout their objection, you are testifying concerning yourself, your testimony is not true. Okay. Do, do we all get that? Are we all good? Yeah? We're good? Okay. Therefore Jesus now provides not three or four, but five witnesses. Beginning with what should be the greatest witness of all, and that is the inner witness, with Jesus saying in John chapter 5, verse 32, There is another who bears witness of me, and I know the witness which he witnesses of me is true. Alright? Now this is God the Father, this is the, 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 the Holy Spirit, and it comes in the form of an inner conviction or inner witness that should not be ignored or denied. In fact, the Apostle Paul says, I'll comment on this in a minute, in Romans chapter 8 verse 14, for all, those, for all who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. Alright, now let me, let me just talk to you about that. What this is talking about is, and, and this is a very, strong, a very powerful thing, when you're sitting and you're listening to someone and you get a yuck in your spirit, that's what he's talking about. You know, because that's the first thing that happens. Alright? So say Sarah goes to, to uh, you know, a church, and it's like, it's a big church, and it looks all shiny and everything, and, and they have great praise and worship, and she sits down, and, you know, and then the person opens her mouth and starts speaking, and she goes, Good feeling gone. There's something wrong here. You know, and she would, she would be one of those people that does that. She's very spiritually inclined, this one. And, and the thing is that, you know, she'd be sitting there, and she'd be going, something is wrong. Listen to that. <laughs> okay? That's, that's your inside. That's that inner witness. That's the first defense. It's the first thing 
that God, that God wants to use that more than anything else. Can I say that? Okay? Because he wants, to, he wants you to be led by the Spirit, not by you know, logic or, or anything on the outside. You know, because it might be too late by the time you figure something out. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? Remember we talked about words. We talked about the way those things get in. They can either lead to life or lead to death. Amen? Either a good life or destruction. And so, that's, that's your cue. And I don't know how many times I've listened to, to people or, or listened to things. And, just, you know, and, and they might be big names and whatever. You know, but I listen to them. And you know, can I say, we don't always get it right. Can I just say that? So I, you know, that person might be fantastic about on one topic, and then they get on to another topic, and that's where you have to be really careful. This is where I kind of find where a lot of the error is, is when people jump topics, and they, they go on to something that they're not really called to teach on. I, I was, I, you know, I used to do stuff for the sake of variety, and then I stopped. Because I realized that's not my anointing. Listen to me very carefully. I can preach the same scripture and come from a whole different place because that's where I'm anointed to come from. And then I could have this other brother who is brilliant at what they do and they'll minister the same scriptures and have a whole different side of it. If I copied his message and tried to preach it like him, it won't come out right. And I'll get things wrong along the way. Because we don't, or we shouldn't teach off just our notes. Hello. As great as our notes are. Okay. Because we need to be led by the Spirit, not our notes. Now I prepare my notes being led by the Spirit. But I also understand I can't then marry myself to my notes. Or somebody else's notes. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? Amen? And this is where you might, you know, somebody might get up there, and I've, I've seen this. I've seen people step out of their anointing. They're Bible teachers. They are anointed by God to the, to the fivefold ministry in some, you know, some capacity. Okay, you all know that, like the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, teacher, right? Okay. Whatever capacity, they're anointed. But they step out of their anointing and start teaching stuff they shouldn't be teaching. And they get into error. You're sitting there. Now you've heard all the messages from this person before. And you know, it's been like, you've been going like this. For those that can't see, I'm nodding my head. Okay. (laughs) And you're nodding your head because it's okay. It, It hits right in your spirit. And the Spirit of God is saying, yep, that's right. Amen. And then this person shifts track suddenly, and they're saying things, and suddenly you're going, ooh, ah, uh, I like this brother, but I don't like what's coming out of their mouth right now. Or sister, okay, could be either. Listen to that when it happens, straight away. Do you hear me? Okay, that's God saying to you, something is off. See, He works through imperfect vessels. Now I do my best to hear from him and get the messages that he wants across to you. But I don't ever think so highly of myself that I think that I'd never make a mistake. Thank God for editing. Because you all don't know what all I took out. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Only if you're here that you go, hang on, he said. <laughs> yeah, but that was for you. Uh, can I just say this? Some people are not ready for some of the truths that God is revealing in this church. Amen. They're not ready for it. And Satan will use that as a stumbling block when it should be blessing them. It'll actually 
hurt them. Anyway, this is so talking about that inner witness. If, if you sense something, what should be happening here? So what is Jesus saying? What should have been happening right from the beginning is as I'm ministering the word to you, as I'm saying things to you, all you Jews should be on the inside going, yep, that actually makes sense. That actually strikes us right. Even though it is seemingly opposing all the things that we kind of wrote down and we kind of decided that that's what the Word of God was saying, I think we got all that wrong. You know, we got all that wrong, boys. You know, I, I think this is actually the right thing. And it should have been that. Or they should have been going, Aha, uh-huh, that's what God meant. Okay, bring all the scrolls, scribble them all out, fix it all up. What, what was that again, Jesus? Oh, yep, that's it. Oh yeah, that's it. So much better now. Should have been what was going on. A whole bunch of scrolls should have been rewritten that day. <laughs> oh, burnt. <laughs> yeah, you know. Weenie roast, you know, whatever. You know, it should, it should be one of those days that they kind of finally got the answer. And it sat right on the inside. So why didn't it? Because Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. But you aren't. Who have you been listening to? Okay. However, from what Jesus says next, it's obvious that these Jews did not receive this witness. That obviously meant so much to him. And so he decides to point out to a witness that they might appreciate and understand. And he says in in verse 33, You have sent to John, and he has borne witness of the truth. Because remember, they sent a whole bunch of delegation. They They are all into delegations, you know. Send a group here, send a group there. Go check this out, go check that out. The reference here is, of course, to John the Baptist and his testimony of Jesus, which was found in John chapter 1, verses 19 uh, through 28, which was given to a delegation of religious leaders that had been sent to him, which amounted to, in the words of William Hendrickson, I am not the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. He is the Lamb of God who is taking away the sin of the world. I really like that. He didn't say who takes away. He said taking away. The actual Greek says that. It's an ongoing thing. Right? Anyway, and he says, It is upon him that I saw the Spirit descending and remaining. So John said he saw something supernatural happening. Okay? These religious leaders are saying, Well, how do we know it's him? John is saying, I saw it with my own eyes. See, now, they like his baptism, but they don't like the words that are coming out of his mouth. Interesting, isn't it? Alright. And so he says, He is the bridegroom. He is the one who came from above. And is above all. He speaks the words of God. And is himself the son of God. I mean, what more do you need? But sadly, even though they had regarded John the Baptist very highly in the end, they still refused to accept his witness to Jesus. This was both unacceptable and inexcusable to the Apostle John, who himself was a disciple of the Baptist. And on, on John the Baptist's own testimony of Jesus, actually left the Baptist to follow Jesus. Remember that. You know, because he said, Behold, the Son of, uh, you know, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And he stood, him, I think it was Andrew, wasn't it? It was John and Andrew just walked off, left, you know, John the Baptist and, and took off. And John the Baptist didn't say, Come back. He let him go. Amen. Are we good to continue on? 
Alright. So we've got, so what are the first two witnesses? Number one, the inner witness. And, and if the inner witness didn't work, then we have a prophet of God, a man sent by God, witnessing about the Son of God. Alright, somebody that didn't tell a lie, that spoke only what God told him to speak, basically, okay, alright, that everybody acknowledged was a prophet of God, that had identified Jesus. So Jesus is saying, there are two things, now I'm giving you number one, on the inside you should know. Number two, John the Baptist was out there, telling everybody. So it goes on that, yet, I do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. In other words, it was not Jesus' intention to appeal to the testimony of a man just to prove who he was, so that he could be vindicated, but rather for the sake of the very people who were accusing him, that they might accept it, take it to heart, and be saved. He's saying, I'm, I'm doing all this for your sake. All right? As D.A. Carson puts it, Jesus mentions John the Baptist's witness, not for his own sake, but for the sake of his hearers, that they may be saved. People are saved by believing in Jesus. John the Baptist's witness may help them believe. That's what it, that was its purpose, and hence Jesus' appeal to such witness is justified. Then Jesus, uh, Jesus then continues to talk about John the Baptist by saying in John 5.35, He was the burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in His light. Now, let, let me just read this first. D.A. Carson explains, As a lamp, John burned and gave light. Or as the Greek may suggest, was ignited and gave light. I like that. Okay, that man was on fire, man. Okay, <laughs> that's way. Okay, all right. Okay, suggesting that John's light, his witness, was uh, a derivative of a higher source, or was derivative of a higher source. The Jewish people generally, and even many of the leaders, chose for a time to enjoy his light. Both the New Testament and Josephus record that the ministry of John the Baptist generated considerable messianic excitement. His announcement that the coming one was near, his insistence that the people of God prepare for his coming. Remember all of those things? Okay. His implicit announcement of the drawing of the um, promised kingdom... All right, drawing near that is, okay, of the promised kingdom, the divine salvation and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, however mingled with threats of judgment, okay, provoked enthusiastic joy. I mean, he was yelling out, repent, or you know, you're all you guys are going to go to hell, you know. Remember he said, bring fruits of repentance. Show me that you really mean this stuff. You know, he was one of those really straight guys, okay. All right, why was he doing that? Let me stop for a second. Why was he doing that? Because he was preparing the way. So that these people could receive what Jesus was going to say. Because he realized, after not hearing from God for so long, there wasn't a prophet in the land for about 400 years, okay? Since the last thing God said. They'd kind of not, they weren't used to hearing, they weren't ready to hear. Do you know what I'm trying to say? So his ministry in itself should have been an indication, something is coming. Usually a prophet prophesies of something coming. Right? And so his whole ministry, his presence there, was to say, and he kept saying it, he didn't hold it back. 
He wasn't hiding. He says, I have come to prepare the way. Someone is coming who I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes, his sandals. In other words, he's saying, I'm not even worthy to be a servant to him. I mean, he's just that, that much further than I am. And me, the one that is, you see me as a person, as a holy man. Can I sort of kind of put it in some, okay. He's saying, you see me as a holy man and I'm coming to you from a place where I'm saying, I'm in a place where I can tell you, you people aren't ready for this. And as high as you think I am, the one that is coming after me is so much further than I am. I, it's not, I can't even reach up to, to do his sandals. You're getting this? And, that's, and you know what the sad part was? The Pharisees who were coming, John saw them even worse than the sinners that were coming to him. Not once did he ask any of the sinners to go bring fruits of repentance because he didn't believe him. Yeah, vipers, he called them, you know, snakes and you know, all the bad things. Okay, <laughs> but you know, it's really interesting. And we need to see this. The reason I want to sort of share some of these things with you is because Jesus is making a point here. He is saying, you, you know, you esteem John highly because he was causing the people to turn to God and their synagogues are full. Follow me now, okay. Full synagogue, we're happy, strokes our ego. And instead of receiving that as a warning, exactly, it's money. Instead of receiving that as a warning to themselves, they just took the benefit from it. And they just thought, ooh, okay, we're going to get rich on this. We like John. Keep going, John. This week I had 400. Last week it was 40. Because once they get baptized, they got to go somewhere. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay. And John's looking at them and saying, you, 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 you know, you're living off this stuff, but you're not changing. You know, you're just taking all the benefits and you yourselves are not seeing what you need to do. And so you're taking advantage of what God is doing, which makes you even worse. Huh? And in recognizing that, John himself let us know how far off track the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders were. I mean, they were that far off track that the man of God, John himself, didn't believe half of what they were on about. And so, Jesus is saying, doesn't that tell you something? You here opposing me, and yet when you went to John, he didn't say you guys are hearing from God. But then you didn't want to hear that. Okay? Because that's stuff you don't want to hear. You want him to tell everybody else isn't hearing from God. Because that benefits you. But you not hearing from God, that's an insult. So we don't want to hear that part. Are you all with me? Alright. That's what he's bringing out here. He's showing the separation between himself and these religious leaders now. Alright. Let's get back to this. So if the Jews would remember that healthy response to John's preaching and recognize in Jesus the one whom the Baptist announced, then John's witness would prove extraordinarily fruitful. The sad reality, however, 
was that far too many chose to enjoy his light only for a time. It is no different to so many today who attend the convention and are excited for a moment, but as time passes, so does the fire and enthusiasm, until all that's left is the fading and distant memory of something that was truly extraordinary. And we need to be careful of that family. You know, a lot of people are going from convention to convention, you know, from, from one meeting to another. They don't want to get settled down anywhere. They're just looking for the hype and the excitement, and there's this big name, and there's that big name, and... You know, they're just looking for the names. And what happens is, you know, you, you, you feed on stuff like that. And as extraordinary as those people are, nothing sticks. It's just excitement. You're an excitement junkie. Okay? <laughs> right? And you need to understand, it isn't about the excitement, it's about the Line upon line, precept upon precept. And it's only as it's been built that way, will everything start to make sense. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? Amen? And after a while, you'll start to grow, and you won't even realize it. Because if, I'm, if, if different people come here, they'll all come from different places when they're ministering to you. And if you don't have the, a knowledge of where they're coming from, you won't really get everything that they're saying. Can I just say that? Those of you that, are, you know, that have been in this church for, for a long time, you know, would be receiving so much more than the person that newly comes in. Because I, may make ref- I might make a reference to something, and everybody would go, oh yeah, and to you, there's a whole message attached to that reference. There are truths attached to that reference. There are changes in your life attached to that reference. Do you understand? And so when I make reference to certain things, a whole, a whole sorts of things are going on on the inside of you. All sorts of lights are coming on. Whereas somebody else, all they're hearing is, okay, one lighting. With you, a whole Christmas tree went off inside of you. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? Okay. And, and every time I add something on, another bunch of trees are going off on the inside of you. You know why? You're growing. Are you all with me? And so, to you, things are being built, and built, and built, and built. And you are going from glory to glory to glory. Not just from one excitement to another excitement to another excitement. And at the end of the day, nothing sticks. And then when the devil comes knocking on your door, you only have that last revelation to work on. Do you hear me? As opposed to a whole lifetime of revelations. Hallelujah. And you know, one of the... While I'm on this, can I just take another minute and just say this? The reason that the stuff doesn't stick is because what you'll find sometimes is one minister will minister something one way, and another minister will minister it another way that almost opposes what the first one said. And now you don't know which way to go with it. So it doesn't stick. Are you with me? Yeah, and then somebody else comes, and then you start getting confused, and you're thinking, hang on, didn't that person... You know, we had that problem in Bible college. Can I? <laughs> Let me just say this. And I'm serious when I say this. There were some, some exams, the question was yes, was the right answer. And another exam, the same question, no, was the right answer. Same question. Because they believe something different to this one. And we had different people, you know, on video and stuff ministering. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? 
And uh, we used to have video ministry and I thought, you know what, I can't do that to you guys. Because <laughs> you'll all walk out all confused. And then I'll be spending more time dismantling all the wrong things. Are you all here? And try to get you back to a place that you're not confused. And, and, that's, and, and one, one of the things that actually happened was, people started believing the stuff that they were hearing that wasn't right. And then I became responsible for that. And then they go do stuff, and I knew it wasn't going to work, and it didn't. Amen? Are you all with me? Can you imagine if you lived your life that way, church, going from church to church? And, huh? Okay. Okay, we're good. Moving on. <laughs> in fact, Leon Morris goes as far as to say that some of the Jews, in fact, never came to grips with John's message. John was steadily, unflickeringly, pointing the way in his stern call to seriousness of purpose. And these Jews who profess to be the people of God and to be seeking the way of God just as steadily ignored his essential message. As a result, they promptly turned their backs on him. And that's just John. Amen. And so knowing this, <laughs> remember Jesus knew all men and what was in man? Okay, there's a scripture there in John chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. The Lord goes on to say, in verse 36, But I have a greater witness than John's. So he's saying, okay, we've got the inner witness, we've got John, and he's saying, I've got something even greater than that. If, if you guys have missed that, alright, you don't want to accept that, he says, for the works, this is, this is the third witness, the works, which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. Wow, this is now a very, very powerful statement. Alright, he's saying, listen, you might be dead on the inside, led by the Spirit, you don't even know what that means. You might not even be willing to listen to a prophet of God, that all of you guys have said he's a prophet from God. Okay, but we don't like everything he says. Okay, let me ask you one other thing then. This is witness number three. He's saying, the works that I do. Because if you remember some of the comments that were made by the people that were around, they said, only God could do works such as these. Right? Again, something that the, the religious leaders didn't want to hear. Because it showed their inadequacy, their shortcomings, claiming to be men of God, and then suddenly he comes and he does stuff, and they go, oh, this must be from God. <laughs> okay? Because we can see stuff. In fact, this is what, is, Jesus is actually going to send this as a witness back to John the Baptist when he kind of gets in a bit of a slump. And he says, uh, he sends two of his, you know, we'll get to this when we get to it. But, you know, he sends two of his disciples when he's in jail because he reckons that Jesus should have come in there and stormed the castle and got him out. I mean, what's this business leaving him in jail like this? Okay. You know, that's John. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay. <laughs> and Jesus does something really interesting. One of the Gospels, Luke records it. Uh, Matthew doesn't. I think Matthew was, yeah. Matthew and Luke. Uh, record the, the, you know, that incident. But Luke is the only one that actually says that when, when John sent his disciples to Jesus, that that same hour, Jesus goes out and heals a whole bunch of people. 
And he says to, his, to the disciples, you go tell him what you saw. Don't worry about me saying, yeah, I'm the one, I'm the one. Anybody can say, speak words. He goes, you go and tell him that the sick were healed, the dead were raised, the leper were cleansed, okay? the blind are seeing. He's saying, you go tell him what you saw happened. So this is, so we're coming back to this now. Jesus is saying to them, listen, you can ignore these two things. Alright? But you can't ignore the works. And they're going to do that. In fact, that is the very thing that they're ignoring in coming against Him because He has healed a man. Huh? Pool of Bethesda. This is all coming after that. Remember that? Okay? And He's, he's, he's little by little letting them know how far off track they have gone how far from God they actually are and they don't even realize it alright so let's oh you know I've run out of time <laughs> um, time is going very quickly today um, can we leave it there because I'd, I'd love to come back to this because this is something that is so significant and it needs to be one of the things that separate us from all other religions. Hear me. It should never be a religious argument we get into. T.L. Osborne. You all know T.L. Osborne? Anyway. He was, he was a man of God. Went overseas. This is a real story in short. Okay. <laughs> he was, he was um, going to evangelize. You know. Uh, I, I think. Yeah. It was those days everybody went to Africa. You know. Okay. Alright. Okay. And they didn't want to become an evangelist because God was sending them to Africa. I don't know why. Okay, but for some reason everybody there or China. Anyway, but you know he was he went there. Okay, and um, he was he was ministering in the tribes and getting people saved. And this witch doctor came up, and I'm talking about the works now. And he said, you know, what makes your religion better than mine? Basically, was the bottom line. Okay, and he couldn't answer that, and and so. You know, because he made this public challenge in front of everyone, and so he just, he just, he, he said, "God, I, I, I don't know what to do." So he packed up and went home. He was at home a couple of weeks. Went back to the states. Was was there a couple of weeks? And God spoke to him and said, "Are, are you done?" He goes, "Go back." He goes, "I don't want to go back." He said, "I don't have an answer for that." He said, "This is what." He said, "Go back. I'll tell you what to do." So he went back, and. Set up his meeting, and sure enough, the same witch doctor came up on stage. And he, and he said, God, we're here. You better say something. He said, pick 20 people, deaf and blind, out of the crowd. Give 10 to him, 10 to yourself. And he said, this is how we prove which one's right. We'll see which, one, which of our gods heals all these people. And guess what? And he, this is the first time he's doing it, by the way. So he's going, God, you better do something. And, so, you know, <laughs> and every single one of his, all the blind saw, the deaf heard. Not one on the other side. And this witch doctor was like, he said, go on. Mine all can see and hear. What about yours? And he was, you know, he was all upset and he threw a fit and left. And he said, bring the other ten over here. And got them all healed. They had the biggest meeting. And the next couple of, I don't know, weeks, people were coming up in droves and getting saved. Do you know why? Because of the works.
he stopped arguing and he said, you know what, forget the argument, here it is. This is how it works. Amen? Amen. That's what Jesus is about to bring. That's what we're going to talk about next time. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you for...